Welcome to our surprise fourth episode of This Black Bear Has 28 Minutes, a Kootenai arts and culture podcast. Yes, we've got one more in us before summer sets in. This podcast is brought to you by students of the Selkirk College Creative Writing Program, alongside amazing collaborators from across the Kootenays. I'm Tressa Ford. And I'm Cody Bruner, and we'll be your hosts today. If you're looking for ways to connect and get inspired in the Kootenays and beyond during COVID times, look no further. Each episode features interviews, readings, advice segments, and more. This episode, we have a diverse range of presentations and presenters, including writing advice segments by Karina Custom and Brian Semenuk, an interview between our Selkirk College creative writing instructor, Lisa Dean, and our dynamic coordinator, Bree Harwood, and readings by Black Bear Review contributors and Selkirk College students and alumni, Alan Ross, Meredith McDonald, Izzo McMinn and Tara Mae Box. First up, an interview between Lisa Dean and Bree Harwood on the art of making this podcast in the middle of a pandemic. Let's give it a listen. I'm here in the courtyard of Selkirk College meeting face-to-face for the first time, socially distanced and responsibly, with our podcast producer Bree Harwood. Hey! So, Bree, I remember we met uh, back in September, and we were looking for new initiatives that we could take on for the Black Bear Review, and you Mm -hmm. wanted to start a podcast. What was the initial motivation for that? Well, I think I was just looking for ways to, like, get involved, um, honestly, and so I was trying to come up with, like, okay, what would be really cool for us to do? And at that point, I was, I mean, I still am, really fixated on the idea of, like, an artistic community and how to kind of... Um, make that community broader, more accessible to a wide range of people. And I mean, I listened to a lot of podcasts, so I was like, heck, why not? So what, what do you love about podcasts? What do they have to offer that other mediums don't? I think, first of all, they're like, they're less of a commitment. I mean, you're like walking to work, you're taking the bus, you're doing your dishes, like whatever. You can just kind of like listen to it as you go throughout your day, right? And especially if we were looking at trying to market something towards students, I think that would have been a lot more accessible than, you know, putting on, creating a bunch of videos, for example, and asking people to sit down or especially in COVID when events or whatever aren't really happening. It just seemed more of a thing that a wider range of people would be able to get involved in and less of a learning curve like video editing software and whatever just seems so complicated so um, it was something we could put together relatively easily I think Um, yeah that's great I love how podcasts just sound so effortless but actually behind the scene there's a team of people who are (laughs) laboriously you know talking about what the programming should be and what might work and then chasing down people for interviews it's it's Oh, hugely, hugely. Probably like setting up a Zoom link and just doing like a weekly thing would have been easier. I don't know, maybe like making a series of videos would have been easier, but just in my head, podcast seems like the most like reachable, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. And I think, I think it definitely was, I mean, and, and they're really cool episodes and really diverse. Uh, Speaking of which, I'm just wondering what was your favorite part of this past year being the producer? Okay. I think my favorite part was like showing up to a meeting you know, I, a full-time student, maybe didn't get a lot of sleep, and I'm like, oh, do I really want to do this today? And I'd show up and be like, hey guys, so now how's everybody doing? What did everybody, like, 
get done this week and everyone just came with like such good energy and was like oh my gosh okay so I got this done and I accomplished this goal and I had this really cool conversation with this and I always left feeling like hey like I'm surrounded by like amazing people who know what they're doing and now I feel kind of refreshed to go into the rest of my week or to do whatever that I wanted to do I got a lot of creative inspiration from everybody I think and while I love the like organizing and administration because I'm kind of like a nerd like that I think it was really the team that was the uh, best parts of it for me yeah it was definitely a feel-good yeah it's nice that everyone got their work done it certainly made (laughs) your job and mine easier definitely but yeah I think it's really important as well just thinking about the context of the pandemic to have Mm -hmm. that baseline of a place that we could go every week and and just meet with an artistic community and and start like solidifying that community as well at the same time hugely what do you think, uh, what do you see for season two, right? Because this, this was our first year. Mm-hmm. This is a new thing. And yeah. you, my friend, were the one who made this happen. Yeah, it's cool. I keep bragging about that to everybody. So, so as you should. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, next year what I would really like is I like the long interview format. Totally. And I really like reaching out to like community members. I think that was one of our strengths this year. But I think it would be really cool to have a bunch of like shorter segments or mix it up besides just like the interview format. Um, kind of like more what we're trying to do with this episode. Um, do things like, you know, just short little like community pieces, talk to people, offer like art advice or whatever else. Um, kind of have more of that like poof. Um, I don't know what poof means, but hopefully, (laughs) hopefully I'm like, I'm making sense. So yeah, I think that's what I would like to see. But again, it depends on the team and kind of their vision on what they would like to do as well. So yeah, we'll see. Awesome. Well, uh, our interview was uh, collaborated upon with uh, the VP of Education who walked by. So I hope you enjoyed that extra input. This is the cool thing about doing things live is that you get the real aspects of it, including um, (laughs) guest speakers. (laughs) (laughs) cool well thanks so much for meeting with me today i'm really excited about season two as well and 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 what will come of that and Mm -hmm. uh who knows maybe as people get vaxxed or not get vaxxed but um hopefully when things quote unquote return to quote unquote normal we'll be able to have more face-to-face meetings for the podcast and Mm -hmm. live interviews and things like that so yeah thanks so much definitely thank you amazing interview This podcast couldn't have happened without such fantastic people at the helm. Such a pleasure to work with people like Brie and Lisa. Next up, we have our former managing editor, Black Bear Review contributor, and just all around amazing human, Karina Custom, presenting the first mini episode of her new segment, exploring comedy and comedic devices in writing. Welcome to Funny Things. Notes on the craft of writing. One capsule, two minutes, one takeaway. Hi, I'm your host, Karina Custom. Today's writing tip, the rule of three. The rule of three is a writing principle that suggests that a trio of events or characters is simply more humorous, satisfying, or effective. Today, we'll focus on slogans and catchphrases, but before that, the big picture snapshot. It's useful to note that a list of three combines brevity and rhythm with the smallest amount of information to create a pattern. It makes the author or speaker appear knowledgeable while being both 
simple and catchy. Three elements together are known as a triad. The technique is used not just in prose, but also in poetry, storytelling, political and religious rhetoric, still photography, motion pictures, advertising, and even the law. Now that we've got your eyes, ears, and brains tuned into the triads that surround us every day, let's hone in on those slogans and catchphrases, just this time around. Here's some examples. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The rights outlined in the U.S. Declaration of Independence. Veni, vidi vici, a triad in Latin, which means I came, I saw, I conquered, attributed to none other than Julius Caesar. And how about turn on, tune in, drop out? The 1960s counterculture era phrase popularized by Timothy Leary. Unsurprisingly then, the rule of three has been used to create some of the most powerful advertising slogans of the 20th century. Each time, three little words. Instantly, an entire brand is conjured up in your mind. For instance, just do it, or diamonds are forever. And how about snap, crackle, pop? Next episode, we'll dive into comedy, where the rule of three is also called a comic triple and is one of the many comedic devices regularly used by humorists, writers, and comedians. Funny Things was researched, hosted, and recorded by Karina Custom. Literary craft series idea, Lisa Dean. Work cited and writing wisdom from Leanne Jashaway, How to Write Better Using Humor, and The Rule of Three Copywriters, UK. Awesome segment, Karina. It's always fascinating exploring the behind the scenes technical aspects of writing. Love the music too. Next, we've got a funny little piece illustrating the twists and turns of professional communication written by Alan Ross and performed by Alan Ross and Meredith McDonald. Hi, um, I'm Meredith McDonald, and this is Alan Ross, and we're reading a radio play he wrote called Truish Love. They met in the year of the plague, online of course. He owned his own publishing house. She was a sought after editor and writing coach. On the day they met, they were lurking with stealth, trolling for new clients. The site was a virtual reading sponsored by the literary journal of a junior college. She spotted him on the list of participants, saw the word publisher and reached out with a private chat. I work with some wildly talented writers. Must be nice, I don't. But you receive hundreds of fabulous manuscripts? No, I specialize in terrible writers. Perhaps you were the mysterious vanity publisher I've heard rumors of. I dislike the V word. I offer flexible fee arrangements. But for enough money, you'll publish anything? My limits have never been sounded. I have a client that will test you. Is he or she wealthy? He's richer than Crocious. Then I'm certain he's oozing talent. 
utterly unreadable, but he wants to say he's a writer. Sounds perfect. What does he attempt to write? Memoir, of course. They always want to write their own story. Like how he lucked into his fortune? More like how astute he was and how his wife walked out and why now he's so enlightened. But rich and enlightened. Nine figures. We should work together. I, too, could have a flexible fee arrangement. $80 per hour for editing and additional $100 per hour if my client's memoir is published. I've yet to refuse to publish a manuscript. How much do you charge? Between $500 and $1,000 per printed page. More if it's truly awful. His story is execrable. Can we tell him the publishing fee is recoverable out of book sales? Absolutely. We can tell him anything you like. Most of the books I publish are purchased solely by the author. Sometimes they browbeat their friends into buying a few. My client doesn't have any friends. No surprise. Together we can offer a complete service. If he wants to think he's being published because he's good, you must charge him more for editing and you pay my fee. And if he doesn't care, it's business as usual? And the more pages, the better. I'll tell him to channel his inner D.F. Wallace. And be little Papa Hemingway. I see. We shall work well together. I would consider some kind of bulk discount. And I can say my clients always get published if they stick with me. Let's meet in person to discuss the details. This talk of money and bad writers is making me aroused. I'm staying in the hotel, room 568. Tonight at 8. I'll put the dom on ice. Fantastic reading from Alan and Meredith. Love to see such creative explorations of dialogue. Moving on to Selkirk College student Izzo McMinn, reading out an excerpt of their own work. Hey, my name is Izzo, and I'm coming to you from Lac Lejeune, just outside of Kamloops, where I am stationed planting trees. Today I'm going to read an excerpt from a short story I'm working on, titled An Ode to Who We Used to Be. I'll start from the beginning. It's fucking freezing, you said, looking at me with those eyes, as if there was something I could do to change our predicament. And it was freezing, but we were also ill-prepared, both suited in our leather jackets and patched pants. It looked as if we had stepped out of the door of a punk show at the Fatale into the middle of a full-blown blizzard in the Canadian Rockies. The boots I had picked up at the youth shelter in Montreal were so used the soles were worn to the point of slickness. I could barely keep myself upright on the ice-coated asphalt. Sporting my big travel pack, you might mistake me for a snail learning how to ice skate. I looked at you. Shall we grab a coffee and try our luck flying at the Tims? I was so over side of the road hitching. We'd been on this corner for over an hour with no luck. Hitching was much more productive if you stationed yourself at a gas station or a fast food joint at the end of town. You had a better chance catching a ride if you just approached a person and asked them. It was harder for people to say no to that level of confrontation, forced to face the moral dilemma of helping someone in need. And sitting in front of the Tims, the odd local might buy you a coffee or toss you a toonie. That's how we rolled. We were bums. Kay, you said, you were not happy on this day. 
We had made it this far, all the way across the country from Montreal. We were in Golden, BC. There was just a mere three hours of road between us and our destination. The trip up until this point had been anything but enjoyable. We were on the fourth day of a cold turkey detox off heroin. We'd spent the past two days hunched over the toilet in a run-down motor inn. This is it, you said. I'm done. No more dope. You said that a lot. Our first encounter on this trip was the manic hippie from Quebec. Minutes into the ride, she began to ramble about her quest for enlightenment, which involved a questionable month-long fast and acute intentional sleep deprivation. She drove nonstop through Quebec and Ontario while you and I, beyond her knowledge, smoked dope and fooled around in the back of her white cargo van. We had to bail out of the ride in Kenora, Ontario after a near collision with a semi. The mix of paranoid outbreaks and reckless driving had even us, two dope fiends, scared for our lives. Since then, we inched our way across the prairies, barely evading frostbite in an ungodly tumble west. I took a thick black sharpie to a scrap of cardboard that I'd fished out of the dumpster behind the Tims. You laid down a blanket for the dogs. We had something of a pack at the time. There was Zar, Luna, and Joe. Joe was a short-haired pity mix, not at all built for winter. He resembled a sad disco ball in the jacket we'd fabricated for him. Sprawled out on the floor of a laundromat in Banff, we stitched together a shiny silver emergency blanket and a sweatpant leg from the lost and found. We'd also scored four baby socks that I'd duct taped the soles of for waterproofing purposes. My Joe Bean, don't you worry, baby. You wrapped your arms around him and buried your face into his neck. Everything's going to be just fine. You talked to him as if you were talking to her. You loved her. We all loved her. Her death was unexpected, but it was always like that. She was the second to go this month. That's what this drug did. It killed people. It killed our friends. Joe was her dog. He was all we had left of her. He was the reason behind this whole misadventure. Although we both wish we could keep him, it wasn't realistic. Traveling with one dog was a challenge enough. Lily, a close friend of hers and a past lover of mine, had agreed to take him. So, we set out across the country in the middle of winter, planning to meet Lily in Salmon Arm. As we sat strung out in a public parking lot stairwell in Montreal formulating the plan, it seemed the only logical course of action. Now that's definitely a story I want to read more of. Continuing with our Selkirk student readers, now we have Tara May Box reading out her witty piece, Technology. Technology. Enter. The world of technology. Shift into a new reality. Technology has sucked us all into a place where all humans will fall. There is no escape. You try and hit backspace, but you are no longer in control. Windows has now inserted itself. It will never end. When you hit control, alt, delete, all that comes up is an error message saying, sorry, your request is invalid. 
You hit the numlock key, but don't you see? You can't go page up, down. There is only now. So forward that to your friends. Post it on Instagram. You want to hashtag tweet that because it's the real deal. Tell life to slide over. Listen up to my rant. It's full of power and to the point word. It's always better to be smart about art than stupid about computing. Don't believe me? Ask a professional. He'll tell you to go outside, clear your mind, not worry about what celebrities are doing on their own time, and not keeping up with the latest tunes. I'll never get tired of hearing her read that. The wordplay is so well executed. And we'll have Brian Semenik conclude our student reader segments today with a segment on using nature as writing inspiration and keeping it simple in a chaotic world. Sit back, close your eyes, and let's give it a listen. There's a million ways to get inspired. Music, novels, movies, podcasts, conversations, to name a few. But in a world of constant stimulation and a time of social and political turmoil and media confusion, you can feel like there's too much, too much conflicting information, too much hectic action, and not enough time for reflection. Speaking for myself, I can't help but get wrapped up in it sometimes. When my attention starts to fracture, when I start to get caught up in all the noise, I return to one idea. Keep it simple. When you find the time to sit quietly and wait, inspiration comes. There is a nearness to reality that shows itself when we take the time to slow it down and come together with our inner worlds. As poets and writers, we have the opportunity to use language with intention. Language used intentionally and thoughtfully can open doors to new understanding and at its best, give energy and meaning to the intangible aspects of life that so often evade us. It's our job as writers to give language its power, and we do so with our careful intention and choice. You don't have to change the world. You don't even have to change a mind, but by reconnecting with our senses and communicating our honest feelings, we implicate ourselves and our readers and listeners in a process of reevaluation, a shift in perspective, and a reminder of the simpler reality behind the scenes. When I'm feeling lost, I go to nature, to a park or by the riverside. I look, listen, see what it's like to just be in an environment with no pressure, no expectations. If you can let yourself be free and easy and open to the world, it will come to you. In the words of Gord Downey, from the tragically hip song, Ocean Next. Just go and see the thousand pictures that tomorrow is or will surely be. In my own words, keep it simple, slow it down. There's a quiet joy somewhere behind it all if you can take the time to just be. It's the simple truths that we so often can forget. Nature is the reminder that can bring us back to reality and help us find ways to connect again, to find the beauty in our daily lives and celebrate it. I'll leave you with a poem I wrote today at Gyro Park in Trail, BC. 
I find myself a part of a landscape, carved in daylight. High clouds and busy canopies, waving conifers on the hillside. Sharply defined bodies, all of us caught in light. Intermissions when the sun ducks behind. Cool air comes off the river, rolling across the ridge of my arm. Through shade, over skin, to lift the little hairs in alarm. Like a field of bobbing heads, faced forward to the coming sun. All of us in trembling reaction. It's a blanket on my mind, a gentle recollection. Childhood lullabies float up through swaying branches and coins of sky. An inscription on the park bench says, Nothing is more valuable than this day. In memory of one who lived it in truth. Green remergence marks the end of seasons. A million separate bodies root together. Scattered light conforms, breaks through, becomes whole. Flows over spotted groves that wave across the shoreline. Giving sight giving urgency to the shedding of a winter mind. The earth presses its patterns in the soles of my feet, and the wind through the trees is reminding me. Darkness and light are alike. There is a still, quiet harmony rustling in behind. Memories, like floating seeds, return to me. I'll lay back like a child in the grass, this is how I remember, nearness is my good. This is how I show my gratitude. And that's going to be it for us today, folks. An enormous thank you to everybody who contributed to our episode today. If you liked the readings you heard, check them out on our website, blackbearreview.ca, or just listen to this episode again. With this fourth episode, We'll be taking a break for the summer, but watch for when we start it up again in the fall. Next, a special thanks to the Kootenai band, The Hilties, for the use of their songs Hocus Pocus and Ride the Wave. You can find their new album, Sunshine, at thehilties.bandcamp.com. That's spelled H-I-L-L-T-I-E-S. Go check them out and support local music talent. And thanks to everyone who helped out in the producing of this episode, especially... Alan Ross for his reading, Omita Miller, our faculty advisor, Bree Harwood, our coordinator and interviewee this episode, Brian Semenek for technical advising, sound editing, and for his reading, Karina Custom for her segment, Okai Chakalare, our agent and technical advisor, Izzo McMinn for their reading, Karen Hamling, team player, Cody Bruner for student talent recruitment, script, and for being my amazing co-host, Lisa Dean, our faculty advisor and interviewer, Meredith McDonald for her reading, Tara May Box for her reading. And Tressa Ford for their amazing script writing and hosting. And if you want to read your own work on our podcast, don't hesitate. You can send your pieces to the blackbearreview at gmail.com. That's blackbearreview at gmail.com, all one word with a subject line, podcast guests, reader submission. And don't forget to check out our page blackbearreview.ca for all your Kootenai poetry, fiction, nonfiction, and arts needs. 
and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, join us again in the fall for more amazing conversations and performances. We're looking forward to sharing a new wave of inspiration and artistic expression when we meet again. Goodbye for now. Be safe out there, be kind, be resilient, and never stop being creative. Been a long time, been a long time, been a long time